thank you for hanging out with us and joining us wherever you might be. And we are excited that you are here today. Um, we are in a brand new series, started it last week, and um, called Experiencing God. Experiencing God. And uh, if you didn't get a devotional book last week, we've got free devotional books. We want to make sure you connect with us by way of uh, a daily devotion. So make sure you grab one in the lobby. But we're in this series about how to discover and do the will of God. Discover and doing the will of God. And if you missed last Sunday, last Sunday was kind of a foundational uh, message. And now uh, you can go online and you can follow up or jump, you know, catch up with us and, and, and catch up with what's happening with that. But um, the key, the key to discovering and doing the will of God is by connecting with God. We have to connect with him. That was our memory verse the past week. John chapter 15, verse number 5. You know, he is divine, and, and I, am the, I am the branches. We are the branches. And without him, when we're not connected to him, the Bible says that we can do nothing. We have to be connected to God. And, and so today, we're going to kind of continue in this series. Last week, I introduced a little graphic. You see, a, you see that graphic on your handout, but the graphic called the seven realities of, of the will of God and of experiencing God. And uh, we're going to look at reality number one today. Reality number one, that God is always at work around me. God, whether you know it or not, he is always at work around you and around me. Every day, every day, he always has been and he always will be. He will be working around you. And the problem is that most of us, most of the time, uh, we just don't see it. We don't see God's activity around us. We don't recognize where God is working. Either we, we're not paying attention or, or perhaps you just don't know what to look for, or whatever the reason might be, you're not seeing God at work around you. And, and I call this spiritual blindness. Spiritual blindness. Now, spiritual blindness is kind of like going through life without glasses. You can't see clearly. In fact, you can't see God working around you. Now, if you wear glasses, you wear contacts. You know what I'm talking about. But for the rest of us, let me illustrate it for you like this. Let me put some images up on the screen. It could be a little blurry. All right, and the Detroit or Michigan icon. I want you to help me out the blurry, and then we'll see how good you're good on this. So let's see. Here's the first image. This is the Detroit icon right here, iconic figure. Do I hear anybody? What we got here? Spirit of Detroit, right? Is that, let's see what we got here. All right, good, good. Give yourself a hand. Yeah, you guys are with it. All right, man, that was a week. Come on, give yourself a hand. There we go. All right, number two. Now, this one, another Detroit icon. I, I see someone over here. What you got right here? Fish, fish, the fish of Joe Lewis. Let's see what we got. There we go. Good job, good job, Nick. Right here, right here, all right. Uh, so, how many of you got that? How many of you say, I got it too. Okay, all right, all right. There you go, I recognize you. Here's number three. This is a Michigan landmark. Sunrise. <laughs> Good job, sunrise. Okay. All right, a little, let's push it a little bit further. 
All right, there we go. Mackinac Bridge, right? There we go. Isn't that pretty? All right. Now, hit one more, one more. This is the toughest. I say the toughest for last. All right, this is a Michigan landmark. Do I have anybody that can guess? All right, I'm not hearing nobody. <laughs> That's our youth pastor. I caught him lounging around when he was supposed to be working. Jonah Fair, Jonah, by the way, Jonah's helping out with our Discover Late Point class, but that's him. And uh, how many of you got that one? All right, nobody, okay. <laughs> Scott got one, all right, well, good. Spiritual blindness, spiritual blindness. When they're blurry, when they're blurry, when life is blurry, you don't have a clearness to it. And unfortunately, this is how so many of us live our lives spiritually. Because you know what we do? We fill up our lives with work, with, 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 with family, with hobbies, with all the stuff, the comfort of life. And then we think that we're seeing it. We think that we're getting it. We think that we're experiencing all that life has to offer. But we're missing out because we're spiritually blind. And let me ask you this. What if, what if you could put on spiritual glasses? What if you could see the ways that God is constantly at work all around you? What if we could see how he's touching our lives every day and how he is constantly inviting you to be a part of his activities? What if we could see that? And, and, and today, we're going to look at a man named Moses. And we're going to look at this guy because in this story that we're looking at, Moses is kind of stuck. Like maybe some of you are today. You feel like you're stuck. You're just kind of going through the motion. You feel kind of lost. You feel like you don't know where, where life is going. And that's where Moses is until one day he put on some spiritual glasses and saw life at a whole different level. And so I want to jump in. How can you and I put on spiritual glasses and see how God is at work all around you and me? Number one, if you're taking notes, we need to acknowledge. Acknowledge that God is at work around me. Acknowledge that God is all around us. We have to first believe Acknowledge that God's activity is happening, and it's happening right now and every day of our lives. You know, um, if you're taking notes, so many people, uh, they're, they're missing out. They're not experiencing God because they have a limited view of God. And a limited view of God will we're holding you back from experiencing all that God wants you to do. And a lot of times when we have a God, when we view him as a clockmaker, a clockmaker, we see God as a clockmaker God. This is the idea that God, you know, he created the world, but he wound up the world like one of those old-fashioned clocks. And he set everything in motion. But after he set the world in motion, it was hands off. You know, however the world goes, however it happens, it's kind of like a cosmic, like the earth is like a cosmic top. 
You know, it's a kind of spin it. And wherever it goes, it goes. And God is just hands off, uncaring, uncompassionate. Whatever happens, he's the distant God who's not involved in our lives. He's the clockmaker God. And that's a distorted view of God. You see, God is not missing from the scene. He is constantly showing up, each and every one of you, each and every day, right where you're at. And we have to acknowledge that. We need to acknowledge the fact that God is at work all around us. Now, I want to pick up the story of Moses. He's living with his wife's family in the wilderness, in the middle of nowhere. He's, in, he's a shepherd taking care of sheep. He's doing the same thing, the same way, every day. But God, he was at work around Moses. Moses didn't realize it yet. But God was at work around Moses. He had bigger plans for him, bigger plans for Moses' life. Exodus chapter 3, verse number 1. One day, Moses was tending the flock of his father-in-law, Jethro, the priest of Midian. Now, father, his father-in-law the boss. And by the way, Moses got a very comfortable job. He's taking care of sheep. You know, this is an easy job. He's just taking care of them. The Bible says that he led the flock far into the wilderness, and it came to Sinai, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a blazing fire from the middle of a bush. And Moses stared in amazement. Though the bush was engulfed in flames, it didn't burn up. So many of us, when you were growing up in Sunday school, you know the story of the burning bush. And it grabbed Moses' attention. Again, I want you to notice what Moses is doing when God appealed to him. He, he's taking care of sheep, right? He's watching over animals. He's doing his job. I don't want you to miss this. God reveals his will to those who are already being faithful where they are. God reveals his will to those who are faithfully doing what God has already put in front of them. I hear people say this all the time. You know, God, I don't know what God wants me to do. I don't know what he wants me to do, so I'm just going to sit and do nothing. I'm just going to sit still. I'm going to wait. I'm going to tread waters until God tells me what to do. And when God brings something that's along my path, something that's exciting, and then I'll jump in and I'll do it. But meanwhile, I'm just going to wait until something comes up better for me. And here's the truth, if you're taking note, that God is not going to bless you with more in the future if you're not faithful with the little in the present. Let me say that again. God's not going to bless you with more in the future if you're not faithful with the little that he put right in front of you in the present. Moses, he's being faithful. He's doing what God wants him to do. He doesn't know it, but he's just being faithful in the moment. He's taking care of sheep. But God gets his attention. And look at verse number seven. And the Lord told him, I have certainly seen the oppression of my people in Egypt. I have heard their cries of distress because of their harsh slave drivers. Yes, I am aware of their suffering. Now he's talking about the Israelites. They've been enslaved for 400 years. And verse number eight, so God said, so I have come down 
his God's plan. I've come down to rescue them from the power of the Egyptians and to lead them out of Egypt into their own fertile and spacious land. God told Moses, hey Moses, I want you to pay attention. Pay attention here. I'm about to do something. And if you want to be a part of it, you've got to listen to me. And this is the key. Because you don't discover God's will for your life by asking God to bless your plans. By the way, that's what we do as Christians, right? We say, God, here are my plans. Bless it. Here's my plan, God. Bless it. God, here's my plans. Here's my goals. Here's my, here's my dream. Here's the path that I want to take. I want you to bless it. Bless it. Get on board with my plans, God. Bless my plan. But the key to discovering God's plan is to join him in his plans. Not my plans. And see, God's plan, he wasn't centered on Moses. In fact, God's plan was much bigger than Moses. God was going to rescue the Israelites with or without Moses. It didn't depend. The plan didn't depend on Moses, but God invited Moses to be a part of something much bigger than he was a part of and to be used in such an incredible way. Uh, And God will do the same thing in your life if you will allow him. If you open your eyes, if you put on spiritual glasses and see that God's activity, God's at work all around us. So number one, acknowledge, believe that God is not some far distant God, but that God is right here at work in front of us every single day of our lives. Here's number two. We have to accept. Accept that God wants to work through me. The first one, we acknowledge that God is at work around me. Now we got to accept the fact that God wants to use you. And this is one of the great mysteries of the Christian faith. Why would God, why would God want to use me? Right? I mean, broken me and broken you, broken all of us. I mean, I'm a misfit. And I think you would say, yeah, I'm a misfit toy too. And I think if all of us would say, yeah, I'm a misfit, then I would say, well, welcome to the toy box called Lake Point Church. Because <laughs> we're all broken. And it's a set of mystery that why would God want to use us? Why would he want to use me? It's not like that God needs to use me. I mean, he can do anything he wants. He's God, right? So why would he... Use us. And that's one of the great mystery of the Christian faith. And even though God doesn't need us, God loves us, and he invites us to be a part of what he's doing. He chooses. He chooses to work with you and to work with me. And once you understand that God wants to use you, then your life is going to make a lot more sense. Your life is going to have more meaning and value. 
And so God is talking to Moses. He said, Moses, this is what I'm doing. I'm going to rescue the Israelites. And I'm sure at this point, Moses is like, yeah, way to go, God. I love it. I'm sure Moses might even say, it's about time, too. It's been 400 years. You know, but yeah, hey, I'm glad you're finally showing up. Not knowing that God has a plan in this whole thing. And so he's kind of tracking God, and God says, yeah, I'm going to do this. I'm going to deliver them. I'm going to send them to a place with a spacious land, which will be called the promised land. It could be awesome. And I'm sure Moses is like, man, God, I'm, I'm loving this. This is awesome. Woo! I'm excited about this. This is great news. Look at verse, uh, chapter 3. Look at verse number 10. God said, now go. For I'm sending you to Pharaoh. You must lead my people Israel out of Egypt. Now God's saying, Moses, I got your plan. Moses said, yeah, I love it. And I want you to be a part of it. Now this is where Moses, he's all excited up to this point. I mean, he's like, man, I'm loving it. Woohoo! this is great stuff, right? But all of a sudden when God said, now you go, whoa, hold up now, let's back the truck up a little bit. <laughs> what is happening here? Look at verse number 11. Verse number 11, Moses protested to God. Protest, he pulled out, he pulled out the picket signs and joined the picket line and said, not me, nuh-uh, you don't want to use me. And we see in chapter 3 and chapter 4 the conversation with Moses and God. We don't have time to read this whole chapter, but I'm telling these two chapters probably are the turning point chapters of my life. Because this is where Moses is throwing excuses after excuses after excuses. And every time Moses threw up an excuse, God knocked it down. He throws one up, God knock it down. One excuse after another. In fact, this is these two chapters that I ran into when I was a young man. And, 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 and when I read these two chapters, after I was done, I began to experience God in a way that I've never experienced. Where I said, okay, God, you want to use a misfit, broken, deaf person like me? You can use Moses. You can certainly use me. And I see a list of excuses. I'm only going to read three of them. And there's about seven or eight that you can really find in these two chapters. But there are three excuses. I just want to kind of bring them up. The first one, who am I? This is what Moses says. Who am I to appear before Pharaoh? And this is the excuse of guilt. The excuse of guilt. You got to remember, Moses used to be in Pharaoh's house. And then he killed somebody. He killed an Egyptian, and now he's a fugitive. He's on the run. There's a help. Uh, I'm sorry, there's a, a wanted dead or alive poster of Moses in Egypt. In Egypt, and Moses, like, man, I'm I'm low on the radar. I'm hiding out in the wilderness for a reason. And God, who am I to go back to be used by you after I've done some terrible things in my past? I've done some terrible things, and I hear this all the time. I hear people say, man, Scott, I can't do what 
God wants me to do because of my path. And this is where the devil, this is where he works at his best. He gets in your mind. I call it the battle, battlefield of the mind. And he gets in your mind and he says, listen, buddy, you can't serve God. Don't you remember what you did last week? Don't you remember what you did last year? Don't you remember what you did five years ago? And keep reminding you of your past. And I always say that every time the devil reminds you of your past, you remind him of your future. You remind him of his future. That we win. But we allow the devil to get in our mind and we allow guilt to become an excuse to serving God. Here's, a, here's another excuse of Moses. He said, I'm not very good with words. He said, I'm not good with words, God. I, I can't speak. I, I'm not very eloquent. I, I have a stutter. And, and this is the excuse of insecurity. And to be transparent with you, this is why I struggle sometimes. Many times. <laughs> I struggle with this. I feel insecure all the time. I say, God, who am I to be a pastor? God, who am I to teach this message? God, who am I to lead this church? I mean, this church could have a 100% hearing pastor who, you know, you can uh, just keep your mask over your lip and he can still hear you, but I can't, I gotta read lips, you know? And uh, so it, it's dangerous to be around me, I guess. You know, if you wanna talk to me, you gotta lower your mask, you know? Otherwise, I'm just like, uh huh, uh huh, whatever, you know? <laughs> God bless you. And if you're crying, I say, I'll pray for you. But I don't know what I'm praying for. <laughs> I'm so insecure sometimes. I feel like I'm not good enough. Not worthy enough. I hear this from some of you too. You say, God, I can't lead a, a life group. I, I, I don't know enough about the Bible. Well, I, can't, I can't teach elementary or kids. Well, I can't do this, I can't do that. And you're given an excuse and it's insecurity. Moses was insecure. He also gave another excuse. This is the last one. The last excuse that Moses gave where he said, Lord, please send someone else. And this is the excuse, excuse of comfort, comfort. God has knocked, all down, knocked down all of his excuses so far. And then Moses finally throws up this last Hail Mary of an excuse. This last Hail Mary of an excuse was like, God, I'm just comfortable with where I'm at. I'm taking care of sheep. You know, one day my father and I are going to die. I'm going to take over. The, they're going to be my sheep. I've got my plan. My plan, my dream, a sheep. Uh, why, why in the world would I trade that to lead a hundred and hundreds of thousands of Hebrew hillbillies out of Egypt. Come on. Life is a whole lot easier in the wilderness. Comfortable. And sometimes we say no to God because we're comfortable where we're at. We just don't want God to interrupt us. And Moses, you know, just had a bunch of excuses. And here's my question for you at this point. What is your excuse? What excuse do you keep throwing up to God? Because God is at work. He's inviting you to come in. 
And for whatever reason, you're not stepping into the plan and the, and the activity of God because you keep throwing, you keep, believe, you keep believing that you're not good enough or whatever the excuse might be. And so you're, 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 you're just living a life of, in your own bubble, in your own little world, just going through the motion, missing out on what God has for your life. What's your excuse? What's your excuse? I want you to think about that. What are you that you're throwing up to God? Because I'm telling you, every, every excuse you're throwing to God, God's got an answer for it. He does. And so we've got to quit making excuses. We've got to put on the glasses, spiritual glasses, see that God's at work, and then we need to believe that God will use a misfit like me and a misfit like you for his glory. Here's number three. When I put on spiritual glasses, you've got to ask, where does God want to use me? You've got to ask, God, where do you want to use me? After God appeared to Moses, he invites Moses to be a part of his bigger plan. Uh, Moses had to wrestle with the question. He had to wrestle with this idea, God, where do you want to use me? How do you want to use me? How is it going to work? And here's how he responds. Exodus chapter 4, verse 18, Moses went back to Jethro, his father-in-law, and he said, please let me return to my relatives in Egypt. After Moses ran out of excuses, he said, okay, God, how do you want to use me? And in chapter 4, verse 18, he made up his mind. I'm ready to go. I'm ready to be used. He tells his family to pack up. We're going to Egypt. God has a plan. You see, God interrupted Moses' plan. He interrupted Moses' life. God tells Moses, I want to use you in Egypt. You're going to lead my people out of slavery. And just like Moses, God interrupts your life every day. And it said to us, I want to use you. I want to use you. And you. God wants to use you. And the question is, how do you respond? Do you say, God, where do you want to use me? Or, or do you say to God, say, God, you come here. Here's how I want to use you. God, here's how I want to use you. God, I've got this plan. I've got this project. I've got this relationship. God, I want you to bless it. I need you to fix it. It's not about me adjusting my life to your plan. I want you to adjust your life to my plan, to my dream, to my goals. And I think one of the main reasons we don't experience God more in our daily life is that we're, out, we're asking the wrong question. We're starting with, God, what can you do for me? Instead of saying, God, what can I do for you? God, what can I do for you? We pray. We ask God. We ask God to God, use me in your plans. 
Bible says in Psalm 37, verse 23, the Lord directs the steps of the godly. Another translation says that the Lord orders the steps, the steps of a righteous or godly man are ordered by the Lord. He directs the steps of the godly. He delights in every details of their lives. We make our plan. Yes, but it's God who directs our plan. And listen, I don't want you walking away out of here saying, man, I, I could never plan nothing. No, I'm not saying don't plan. But sometimes we get, like we talked about last Sunday, that we get so overly focused on our own plan that when God comes along with his plan, that we don't allow God's plan to trump our plans. So have a plan. Have some focus, right? But be in tune with your spiritual classes to say, okay, I've got my plans, I've got my dreams, but God, if you come along, I'm going to follow your plan more than my plans. I'm all ears. Let me ask you this. As we think about the question, God, how can, you know, how, how can I, you know, you use me, God. How can you use me, God? As we think about the question, here's, here's a couple things I want to ask you about. Have you ever asked God, God, how do you want to use me at work today? You know, by the way, you can drive and pray at the same time. You can do that. You just have to have your eyes open. You can have those little popcorn prayers. And as you're going into work and say, God, I'm going into work today. How can you use me today at work? I've got a coworker who needs encouragement. I've got someone that just could use some assistance on a project that they're working on. God, how can you use me today to make a difference at work? Students, teenagers at school, ask God, God, how can you use me today at school? Maybe there's a, maybe there's a kid who's by himself and maybe other kids in the class, they pick on him. Maybe he feel a little bully. Maybe God said, why don't you step in and be that person's friend? Why don't you love on that person? God, how can you use me today? God, how can you use me today in my family? Maybe God wants you to be a spiritual leader in the home. Maybe God wants you to spend more time with your family, with your spouse, with your kids. Maybe God is calling you to, to hey, I want you, I want you to be the leader and bring your family to church every Sunday. God, how do you want to use me with my family? Let me ask you this. Have you recently asked God, how can you use me to, no, how can you use me at church? God, how can you use me today at church? How can you use me at late point? How can I get plugged in? Unlike Moses, you've been on the sideline. You've been sitting on the sideline. You've been watching church like a spectator sport and you're not in the game maybe today you say you know what I need to step in I need to get plugged in I need to do something I don't want to I don't want to sit on the sideline I want to get plugged in here's another one have you prayed God how do you want to use me in the life group that I haven't signed up for yet now we got life group starting next week got groups that meet in person and groups that meet on Zoom. And maybe God wants you in a group to get plugged in with other believers. Community happen. You know, decisions happen when you're in community. 
life change happen when you're in community? But you've been prioritizing other things in your life over godly relationship. We encourage you to be in one of our groups. We've got uh, in your chairs, we've got green paper form right here. You can sign up. There's a place on the back of your connection card. I sign up for a life group. Jump in and be a part of a life group. I don't know anybody. See, that's an excuse. I don't know nobody. But come on. The best way to know people is to get together in community. I promise you, they won't bite you. Be fun. Be good. Get involved in our life group. Get plugged in. Make the choice. God, do you want me to be in a life group? Ask the question. Listen, you don't have to lead the Israelites out of Egypt to do God's will. You just have to be willing to ask God, to God, how do you want to use me? And where do you want to use me today? And get in on his plan. Don't give God your plan and say, hey, God, here's how I want to use you. No, 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 no. Good God, I want to be used by you. Number four, you put on spiritual glasses, and when you do, you will start adjusting your life from me-centered to God-centered. Moses began to live out God's will for his life when he realized that it wasn't about him. When he realized that he was not the center of the universe, but that God was and that God is. And until you realize you're not at the center and that God is at the center and that our life revolves around him and his plan, that we need to be a part of his plan, when you realize that, until you realize that, then life won't make sense. If you're living a me-centered life, life won't make sense. Some of you this morning, you're spiritually blind. You think you're seeing clearly, but you're not. About three years ago, I had to get glasses for the first time in my life. I was born deaf, was born with an 80% hearing loss, but I had 20-20 plus vision, and I could see a mile away. Great eyesight. And about three years ago, we were in the Lutheran High North gym, portable, and we had a screen, you know, I, I have a little monitor back, you know, if you turn around, you see a monitor. I think you recognize that, but I have one. Uh, on the other side of the gym, and I couldn't read it. And I thought, man, my, my, my staff and my tech team, they got to get that thing focused. <laughs> and, and I mentioned it to a couple of people, man, that's so hard to read. I don't know how anybody can read that. And I'm like, well, is it fine? They said, no, it's not fine. You know, I've got 20, 20 plus good vision. I can see a mile away. I ain't supposed to look like that. And then I'm sitting in my house. No, I gotta have the closed caption on the TV. And I'm sitting on the couch and I can't read the closed caption. I call Karen, I said, Karen, we're gonna have to buy a bigger TV. <laughs> can't read the closed caption. The closed caption's gone bad on the TV and Karen's like, I don't know what you're talking about. I can read the closed caption just fine. I said, it's terrible. And I went for about two or three months of denial, thinking that everything else is the problem but not me. 
I wasn't the problem. But someone said, Scott, maybe you're going blind. I said, I can't be going blind. I'm already deaf. <laughs> and I don't, you know, if I'm blind, then I'm one more strike away from being like Helen Keller. <laughs> then I'll see deaf, blind, and mute. Uh, that's no good. Uh, come on. They said, no, you're going to have to get glasses. And so for the first time, I went and bought glasses. These are, the first, these are still my first pair of glasses. Maybe I'm supposed to change it every other year. I don't know. But I'm, I'm still, like, trying to figure out the glasses life here, you know. And I, and, I, and I got these glasses, and I put it on. And I was like, wow. Man, I've been missing this for about six months. Everything was so blurry. And now I can see everything so clearly. Everything is so good. And see, my friend, when you put on spiritual glasses, and for the first time, you're like, man, I didn't know. I didn't know that God worked that way. Man, I didn't know that God, that God is in our world every day of our life. And oh, man, that God wants to use me? Wow. Are you kidding me? I never knew that. And for some of you today, you got to put on some glasses and see that God is at work. He's not some far distant, uncompassionate God. He's working. And then when you see him working, you ought to see, hey, come. Okay, well, God, how do you want to use me? And you become more God-centered instead of me-centered. Uh, for some of you today, you're like, God, I'm hearing this message. And it's not resonating with me. My, my, my faith is dull. I'm not experiencing God, and I want to. I want what you're experiencing. I want to jump in. What, what do I got to do? And the Bible says that we got to simply trust in him. Psalm, Psalm 20, verse number 7. The psalmist says, Some trust in chariots and some in horses. But we trust in the name of the Lord our God. At the end of the day, it comes down to trust. Who are you going to trust? Are you going to trust in yourself? Are you going to trust in your plans? Or are you willing to lay down your plans and trust the creator of the universe and trust that he that he alone got the best plans for your life. Psalm 20, verse 7, that's your memory verse this week. Don't trust in the things of this world, but trust in the living name of our God, and he alone will carry us through. Our Heavenly Father, we love you, and we're thankful for your word. Help us in the first reality to get this, to get our spiritual glasses on our face, on our eyes, and help us to see.